Three Days of Darkness and Deception, October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd. These three days, back to back, are filled with darkness and filled with deception. Why should I make such a claim? Find out on this episode of Revealing the True Light. There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar, and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. When God commissioned Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, he, of course, anticipated that Pharaoh would harden his heart, and there were ten plagues that were pronounced over Egypt to finally wrench the children of Israel free from the grips of slavery. The ninth plague was a very curious plague where Moses proclaimed that there would be darkness over the land of Egypt for three days. And the Bible said it was such thick darkness such a heavy, ominous darkness. The Egyptians didn't even leave their homes, and you could feel the darkness. But the Bible said the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And that's a perfect backdrop for what I want to talk about on this particular episode. Three days of darkness and deception, October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd back-to-back days of darkness and deception. Darkness that is so intense, you can feel it. You can feel the satanic influence on Halloween. And I'm not going to get into all of the ifs, ands, and buts about how or why Christians should react to Halloween. That's not really my issue on this podcast. I think it's common knowledge to those who are spiritually sensitive that there's something very satanic at the root of Halloween. However, most people do not know it was originally part of something the Catholic Church did, that November 1st was designated by Pope Gregory III as All Saints Day. And the night before it was referred to as All Hallow Eve. And so... Uh, hollow was a saint, uh, a word that means saint or holy. And so All Hallows Eve eventually developed into the word Halloween. But it was an anticipation of November 1st to begin with. However, it blended in and merged with an already established pagan holiday. It was like a harvest festival, anticipation of winter, the death of winter, and a lot of occult rituals went on with the Druid priests in Ireland, and uh, I won't go into the details of that, but uh, a lot of things happen that are associated with Halloween now. For instance, the wearing of costumes. Well, they would wear costumes quite often, animal heads and animal skins, in order to ward off ghosts that were evil ghosts that would bring harm or damage to them in some way or damage to their crops. And so that was part of the root beginning of the costume issue. 
And then the Druid priests also went door to door and they carried with them in order for light as they went from one place to another, a gourd with a light in it. And uh, it's been written that they believe their spirit God inhabited that gourd. And then I've heard other things about the jack-o'-lantern, for instance, and that's based on an old myth about Stingy Jack. And you can look it up on the internet and get all the details, but he made a pact with the devil for monetary gain and tricked the devil in some way to make the devil very irate with him. And so there was a struggle between the two. Eventually, Jack died, and the devil hated him. So according to the myth, it doesn't happen this way in actuality, but according to the myth, the devil would not allow Jack into hell, and God would not allow Jack into heaven. And so he was cursed to roam the earth forever. And that's the reason for the jack-o'-lantern with the light. And incidentally, the light is symbolic of a coal of fire that the devil threw at Jack out of hell. All of that is fable. All of that is fantasy. All of that is absurd. However, it is the basis of this day that Satanists consider the high unholy day of the year. And many rituals, many witchcraft and Wiccan ceremonies take place on October 31st. It's a darkness that you can feel. It's in the atmosphere. It's in the air. But it leads to the next two days. And that's what I really want to talk about on this podcast. November 1st is designated as All Saints Day by the Catholic Church, starting with uh, Pope Gregory III. And then November 2nd is All Souls Day. Let me camp on those two things for just a moment. All Saints Day, that sounds good. All Hallows Day, uh, what could be wrong with that? It sounds not only innocent, but beneficial. Wouldn't you want to focus on what it is to be a saint on November the 1st? Well, the problem area is this, that within the ranks of Catholicism, within the ranks of those who embrace the Catholic worldview, there is a doctrine held by all that you can pray to the saints to intervene in your behalf, that you can communicate to them your prayer request. They then carry on to the Lord, and they are, in a sense, in a mediatorial role to help you get your prayers answered. And especially emphasized on All Saints Day is your personal connection with your confirmation saint. Now, I know if you were never around Catholicism growing up, and if you're not familiar with the doctrines of that church group, you probably are unfamiliar with what confirmation is. It's that ritual that usually you go through when you're about 11 or 12, unless you're a convert to Catholicism, where the bishop comes in and lays hands on all those that are participating in the confirmation and uh, performs a mass. He, he lays hands on you and, and pronounces that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and you receive a confirmation name. I took the name Christopher because I liked the story that went along with Christopher. The word Christopher means Christ bearer. And it's uh, a lengthy story that I won't go into. Again, you can look it up on the internet. Uh, He was a person who carried people across the river in order to do good deeds. Uh, 
elderly people, handicapped people, children that couldn't make it across the river on their own. And he carried a child that got heavier and heavier and heavier as they got out into the river until it was almost impossible to bear this child. And when they got to the other side, uh, Christopher, who had another name at the time, uh, was flabbergasted that this little baby, this little child rather, had weighed so much and then he appeared to him or revealed himself as Jesus and said what Christopher had felt was the burden of lost humanity. And so his name was changed to Christopher, which means Christ bearer. Well, anyway, I took that name during the confirmation ritual and it was a ritual. I never received the Holy Spirit then. I did not receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, just like happened on the day of Pentecost until I was 19 years old. And it was electrifying. It was like, uh, I can't imagine the words sufficient to describe the intense, ecstatic joy exploding in me when it happened. It was like a taste of heaven on earth. Not so when I was confirmed. But from that point forward, I prayed to Christopher, a very popular patron saint uh, for those that take a confirmation name. Now, there are 1.3 billion Catholics in the world. Think of that, 1.3 billion. That's half of the professing church. Just suppose on All Saints Day that half of them, 650,000 of them, decide they're going to pray to St. Christopher. Well, if you start doing the math on that, you'll find out that Christopher will have to process hundreds of conversations that come to him just in one minute's time. And that's impossible. I, I do well to concentrate on one conversation at one time, but he would have to be in other words, to absorb all of this information simultaneously from from about 450 sources and, and process it and respond and be aware of the circumstances relating to it. He would have to be omniscient, all-knowing, and he would have to be omnipresent everywhere all the time, which are attributes only God can claim and only God actually possesses. And for anyone to attribute omniscience and omnipresence to a mere human being, even though that person may be a very godly person, a very consecrated person, still, I do not believe, even in a heavenly state, they would have that kind of capacity. And that's why I believe November 1st, All Saints Day, is a day of darkness and a day of deception because it's based on something that is non-scriptural and uh, and prohibited. It's actually prohibited. Let me share with you a scripture, and this will probably surprise you, out of the Old Testament, where God, in no uncertain words, tells his people never to contact the dead. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 13, God says, when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. The word abomination means something that is utterly detestable. You shall not learn to do the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens. In fact, let me insert here, don't you 
ever dress your child up as a witch on Halloween because you are opening an opportunity, a door for spirits to actually influence that child over a period of time. Anyway, God said, there shall not be among you anyone who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. Necromancy is what that is referring to. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. Not only is the act an abomination, the person who does it becomes an abomination. And then God said, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Well, calling on the saints is trying to communicate with the dead. It may be dressed up in what appears to be very holy, religious, sacred, and acceptable clothing, but it's still the same prohibited activity. And if God said not to do it and that it's an abomination, we should not do it. And besides, 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Take your prayer needs to him. He will intercede to the Father in your behalf. The Bible said he ever lives to make intercession for us. And on top of that, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. He feels our infirmities. And so uh, you have two great intercessors that petition the Father and are never refused, you don't have to go through some false process of supposedly contacting saints. It doesn't work. It taints your Christian worldview if you believe it. Now, the third dark and deceptive day is November 2nd. What's wrong with November 2nd? Again, the Catholic Church has established that day as All Souls Day. Well, doesn't that sound acceptable? Yes, it does. Surface level, All Souls Day, that sounds like you should have a concern for all human beings, but that's not what it's about. It's about the souls that have passed on from this world to the next world who are trapped in something Catholics call purgatory. Purgatory is a temporary place uh, some say suffering, others say purging and cleansing that makes a person acceptable in the sight of God so that that person can enter heaven. See, there's a doctrine in Catholicism that states uh, if you are not really a bad person deserving of hell, but you're not really a devoted person, saintly and godly in your attitudes and lifestyle, enough to go to heaven immediately when you die, there's this intermediate state where you can kind of burn off your uh, accumulated venial sins, which are lesser sins according to Catholic doctrine, which I will not go into right now. There's an article actually on TwoCatholicsWithLove.org on the difference between mortal and venial sins. And I would urge you to go there, TwoCatholicsWithLove.org, and read the article on two categories of sin in Catholicism. Well, anyway, that is a non-existent place. The Bible does not speak about uh, an in-between zone, a gray area between heaven and hell that you can somehow escape to if you're not that bad a person. Uh, let me read the go-to scripture that most Catholics give 
in support of the idea of purgatory. And I'll end with this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So this is not talking about those outside of Christianity. This passage is talking to those who have laid Jesus as the foundation of their lives. So these are committed believers. Other foundation can, uh, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, capital letter D, the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Again, this is not talking about those outside of Christianity, and it's not just even talking about people that profess faith in a historical Christ. It's talking about people that have laid Jesus as the foundation of their lives. But quite often, even Christians believe wrong doctrines involve themselves in erroneous rituals and ceremonies, embrace false biblical ideas that will be burned up because they've involved themselves in Christian works that were not under the blessing of God. However, their hearts are right toward God. And so there's a certain area where God winks at ignorance or God will purge them of what was false and still bring their soul to himself at death. It did not say that this purging, this cleansing, would take place over a period of hundreds or even thousands of years. It said, the day will declare it, capital letter D. It's talking about the day of the Lord's return. When he comes, the Bible says, in flaming fire. When he descends from heaven, the fire of God will envelop this planet, and all his people will immediately go through a instantaneous assessment of their acceptability to him and will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ will rise. We which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we will receive to a certain degree at that point what reward is coming to us. And if the works we've involved in, if the doctrines we believed or the church we belong to or things like that are not under the inspiration and blessing of God, those things will be determined by God to be void of any kind of reward. All that will take place in a split second. It is not a reference to purgatory. And if you want to know more about this concept of purgatory, I would urge you to get the book, The Beliefs of the Catholic Church, just uh, recently released. And I believe it will be a tremendous eye-opening experience to you. There are two chapters that deal with the concept of purgatory, the second one being on indulgences. And so just go to our websites. You can order them there. You can order it on Amazon. But uh, thank you for listening to this podcast and be sure to listen in next week for the next uh, the, the next unveiling of truth that will change your life. 
Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shreve's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family. 